0: I have enjoyed that yes boy Be I oh, my I have enjoyed that yes boy Be on oh, my I have enjoyed that yes boy Be I oh, my I have enjoyed that yes Be oh, my I have enjoyed that yes boy oh, Kyotooto and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingi where it is once again brought to you by the team over at sports fuel. Um, I'm very grateful to have those guys on board, and if any of you that are listening are in the market for any health supplements, they are the ones that you are best to go to to sort your fix, Um, and thankfully, they have hooked you guys up with a wee discount code that is CWK, so check out their website, sportsfield.co.nz, find something that you like, and remember to use my code at the checkout. Rolling into my guest, um, I'm very grateful to be sharing the mic with Crusaders Halfback, Canterbury Halfback, Mitch Drummond. First things first, thank you very much for your time, man. How's life, and what have you been getting up to over your break?
1: No, nah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, yeah, it's been nice at the moment, enjoying a little bit of time off, away from rugby, and a good chance to sort of freshen up before we roll into the next comp, which isn't too far away now.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you were on the west coast recently, and you've just touched back, or you just got back from having a wee stint at home in Nelson. Yeah, and again, you also mentioned the fact that you hadn't had a break um, this lengthy in a while. So yeah, is it you know times like this that you really savor? You know, in the midst of yeah all the footy that you're having to play in year
1: in year out. Yeah, it's it's um, a little bit new, but at the same time, it's a it's a perfect chance to sort of freshen the body up and um, and the mind as well. Like you say, I was fortunate enough to get over on the west coast on the weekend and have a game of club footy, and uh, that was great to play some footy, but also just to reconnect with sort of why you play the game and enjoyed my time over there and kind of want to go back and have another game, to be honest.
0: Right, how good, Um, and 100%. Speaking of footy, though, uh, you recently celebrated title number six after toppling the Blues. Where does that chip stack up with the rest that you have on your hands?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty scary, really, when you start talking about how many we've managed to rack up I guess this one I've sort of looked at a little bit differently and, and just been grateful to be a part of it. It's, reality is that a lot of guys play their whole careers and, and don't get one. And when you sit there and say that we've, we've now got six, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty surreal. And that environment at Eden Park that night of the final was um, something really cool. It was something that I sort of hadn't experienced for a while. And we were fortunate enough to to win the first one away from home in South Africa. Um, and that sort of had that same, same sort of cauldron feeling to it at Eden Park. But yeah, man, it was uh, holy, it's, it's pretty special times.
0: Mm. And what was the vibe around camp? Because a lot was made going into the final and over the course of the season with uh, how good the Blues had been, especially toppling you boys, what was it, for the first time in close to 20 years down in Christchurch. And, you know, they then led from the front for the rest of the competition. But, yeah, going into that game, you know, everyone was sort of on the Blues, home advantage, but we saw from the kickoff that you guys were just cool customers, were in control the whole game. So, yeah, can you run us through what it was like, I guess, after that loss to the Blues and then, yeah, what the mindset was rolling into the big dance?
1: Uh, yeah, I think first thing was with the Blues is they fully deserved to be at home for the final. It was, um, they they were the best team throughout the year and fully deserved the opportunity to play at home, we talked about all week that it was just a massive opportunity. How good to be to be going up um, and get a chance to have a crack at the best team um, in their own backyard, and it was awesome, man. It's those are the times that you remember forever, and the whole mindset all week was about going up there and and you know having to take it away from them. And I think, like you said, we we had that feeling within the group that. Everyone was on and um, the way the game went, it was sort of, yeah, you could tell that the prep had been done and then um, not only had the prep been done, we we managed to execute our plans and got what we were after in the end.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I do have to ask, because it looked like you guys had the Blues line out playbook. Is that just Sam's instincts, Scott Barrett's instincts in the game or had you guys actually been doing your homework over the course of the season in preparation for that game?
1: Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't really know what happens in those in those Fords meetings but man, there was no denying that Sammy, Scooter, Cully, those boys are all over them. They uh, There was a couple there where it sort of looked like it was our ball but man, those those guys are world class. Sammy, Scooter, um, Cully and, and they live for that stage as well. I think it's one thing to be world class but Man, on that on that big stage when it counted, um, those guys have turned up time and time again, and they did that again in that final.
0: Yeah, bro, it was um, yeah, it was it was really an impressive watch. I mean, I'm a Hurricanes fan, um, so going into that game, I, I didn't really have a preference on who won. I probably more so sided with you guys because I could only imagine all of the noise that would have been coming out of Auckland had they broken their hoodoo. But yeah, you guys just performed like a Canterbury team typically performs um, in a final, bro. Doesn't let the, the stage get too big for them. And, I mean, it's just a reflection of the Crusaders over the last probably decade, just how clinical you guys are and the way in which you take your opportunities like nobody else. I mean, you were part of the back end of the Blackadder era um, and a lot of the successes come, obviously what he built and then when Robertson took over, um, he then, I guess, propelled you guys to new heights. I mean, I've talked to a couple of other boys um, from, from the Crusaders and, and they talk about Razor's ability to keep the environment fresh. Yeah, like have, have, what's sort of been your perspective on that seeing as you've been as a part of the team for so long?
1: Yeah, I think the type of person that Razor is sort of just changed things up a little bit. I think he's spoken pretty openly around, around the way that he themes his campaign. He, he gives the group a vision. Um, we're going places. And I'm not really too sure, to be honest. We had similar groups, potentially a better group back then on paper, but Razor's just got this unique ability to be able to bring a group together and all track in the right direction towards a common goal. Um, And he's proven that he's been able to get the chocolates with not just with the same group either. I think that's something that like six years, there's a serious, serious turnover of players in six years. I think there's only nine or ten of us left from the first one and Ray's has proven that even with that turnover of players he's still able to provide that environment that allows guys to excel
0: because I mean the Crusaders have always been good like if you look over the course of the history of the competition they've always either won it played in the final made the semis or just missed out on the playoffs. But, yeah, for him, when when you look at not only the, the success, so as we mentioned, the six titles, but the depth that he's built and the fact that it's like, well, whenever, you know, a big name gets injured, someone comes through and then he's almost an all-black bolter. Um, yeah, again, can you, can you touch on, like, the, the environment that you guys have there? Because even, like, yourself, you know, batting it, battling it out with the likes of Bryn Hall, yeah, to Toiro, to Huiorangi coming to camp this year. And then, yeah, you just look across the, the rest of the squad. I mean, like... I pick out someone like George Bridge, for example. He was an all-black starting in a World Cup semi-final, and now he can't even find his way into the starting fifteen because of the talent that you guys have. And yeah, as I touched on, it, it didn't seem like it was always that way. The Crusaders, yeah, again, were always good, but just the depth that you guys have now, and your ability to to keep the talent. You know, the guys want to stay. Can you give us any insight there?
1: Yeah, I think um, first of all, the one thing that I've noticed along the way is that when young guys like like you talk about injuries and, and things like that and young guys getting a shot, every time a young guy gets a shot, he's always ready I don't feel like any of those young boys are picked when they're not ready for super rugby and I think that's a, a massive positive for our environment is that you look at someone like Zach Gallagher this year, when he was given his opportunity he was awesome but I also feel like he was ready for it. Whereas sometimes I feel like young guys are thrown into the cauldron, not physically or not mentally ready for what's about to happen. Whereas I feel like we've got a real good balance in the last few years of, of young guys being ready. And then and then you've got an enjoyable environment that goes along with that. You've got, first, uh, speaking on a personal note, it's a place you want to turn up to, to work every day. It gets you out of bed in the morning it's an enjoyable place to be. And I think when something's enjoyable, it's easy to, it's easy to work hard for and, and to show up for.
0: Mm. Now, you talk about being ready. I mean, like, how, how does that happen in, in camp? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not as simple as, you know, just turning up and training every day. But, you know, it's just the fact that the Crusaders, like you said, whenever guys do get picked, they are ready. So what what sort of preparation goes in behind the scenes to ensure that when guys get thrust out there, that the moment's not going to be too big for them? Like, is there anything special that raises groups done um, that's built off the like of Black Adders or, you know, even with the other teams that you've been a part of, Canterbury, your brief stint with the All Blacks?
1: I think it's just acknowledging it first and foremost, like acknowledging that it is someone's first game or first time in their environment. I think that goes a long way to, as soon as you acknowledge what's about to happen, then you can do something about it. So as soon as you acknowledge that it's a young guy's first opportunity, then it's all about getting him ready. So he he talks to the experienced guys, the guys that have been there, what's it going to feel like um, mentally and physically, um, what's the leading going to be like, how does, it, how does the day work, um, if we're on the road, how does travel work, so that nothing's a surprise. And then it's also putting him in a position that come game time, he can just play, there's not too much going on, in the in someone's head and you just put yourself in a position where you can just go and play footy and that's what monday to friday is about so that comes saturday whether it's a young guy or a guy that's been there a while we all just want to be singing off the same page and um and just playing footy not thinking too much
0: Mm. now i know i've said this um a few times and again it's not going to be as simple as just poaching a guy from your camp but I think that I think there, there is an element of truth to that um, when you look at all the other franchises and you know not only like the top teams but you know the crusaders ability to identify talent bring it in nurture it and granted not all guys that you bring in um, eventually you know come to to be crusaders but I think in comparison to all the other teams they, they probably have the best um, turnover rate so hurricanes bosses if you're listening um, maybe go have a sniff down south. And, and try and lure someone away bro but um as much as we've, as we've talked about the crusaders winning and as much as it as a fan it's felt like you guys have been doing that forever i know that your love for footy and probably your winning of footy games actually started somewhere else bro so could you take us back to a young mitch drummond and how he got into playing footy
1: yeah i um grew up in nelson like you mentioned earlier um i went to school called nayland college for three years and then i decided uh, to move into Nelson College, um, give my footy a real crack. That was kind of the um, Nayland wasn't really a big rugby school, and and that was a moment that I decided that I really wanted to give uh, rugby as a career a crack. So I decided to move into town, into Nelson College, and played there for three years. Uh, finished school and moved straight to Christchurch. When I when I moved to Christchurch, I, I didn't have a contract or anything like that. I just trained with the academy and had a building apprenticeship, was working away at that. And then, um, yeah, and then things happened really fast for me from there. Yeah, I was signed up for Canterbury sort of seven months after I moved to Christchurch into my building apprenticeship um, and then linked up with the Crusaders the following year. So, yeah, sort of happened more of a life decision to move to Christchurch rather than a rugby one. Obviously, the rugby was a draw card as well. But, yeah, then everything really happened really fast once I got down here.
0: So just touching on your time at college, bro, you mentioned the fact you started at Naylon but then finished off at Nelson. So I'm guessing you're a part of like the the rep teams in the Marlborough or the Tasman region. So was it from like quite a young age that you actually set out to become a rugby player or was it was it not until you got to, you know, the end of your year, year 10, saw that Nayland was only going to get you so far and that you probably needed to go to a bigger school to work on your craft or to help hone your craft. Um, So yeah, I guess my question is, you know, at at what age and at what point of your rugby journey did you think like, oh, well, I'm not too bad at throwing a pass. So maybe if I spend some extra time doing extras outside of training and and play at a bigger school, I might be able to make a career out of it.
1: Yeah, I think I had the Kiwi dream like every other kid, um, wanting to be a a professional footy player. And I always supported the Crusaders growing up, obviously um, from up in the region. But yeah, I think it got to a point where I just wanted to be playing against the best guys that were my age and and at secondary school. Um, I had a great time at Nayland. don't get me wrong, but like I said, it it came to a point where if I wanted to be playing against the best guys at secondary school level that I had to to go to a school that played in that next competition up. And you know, when I was young, that was a big decision, you know, moving schools. But yeah, it's, it's something that I had to do, and I still feel that I that I had to do it now because um yeah I just wanted to play against the best, and to do that you've got to be playing in the the best competition.
0: Right. So you, yeah, like you said, you played first of Dean there. I saw that you captained them, um and then you made the decision to move south down to to Canterbury um without a contract. But what w- what was the rugby scene like for Tasman at the time that you left school, and was there ever the possibility that you would stick around, like, did they offer you a contract? Because, yeah, a guy your talent. I see that you also played a bit of touch whilst at school, and you know, playing at Nelson and it being a small region, I'm guessing that the the RDO um, at at Tasman um, would have his finger on the pulse with all the the talent that's coming through their biggest school in the region. So, yeah, like you said, it was more not so much a, a rugby decision, but also a life decision for you. So, yeah, was there ever the possibility that you or a marco instead of a canter.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And to be honest, I've said all along that um, there still is. I I grew up a, a huge Tasman supporter. You know, I went to their first game back in two thousand and six, and I was a massive Tassie supporter growing up. But it, it wasn't a rugby decision. It it was the easy option for me was just to hang around in Nelson and. Mum and Dad were really good to me. I I'd lived at home, obviously right through school. I had meals cooked for me, my washing was done for me, Whereas that's the life challenge that I wanted. I wanted to get out of home where suddenly I had to fend for myself. You know, Mum wasn't there to do my washing and make me dinners, and you know, all, all the stuff that I, that as young guys, we probably take for granted when we live at home. That was the challenge that I wanted to get out and, and show that I could do it by myself. Um yeah, and Tasman was was still an option, don't get me wrong. And, and it it was a decision that I uh chewed on for a while because obviously it was a big move to up in Nelson, you're sort of a, a big fish in a small pond and you come to Christchurch and holy, it's a it's a different kettle of fish down here. As a young guy coming into the region, you're um sort of starstruck by the way that things are run. But it was awesome looking back, great experiences loved my time at Nelson, learned a lot about myself when I first moved down to Christchurch. And um, yeah, to be honest, man, I'm quite proud of the way that I did it. I I run my own race and, and did it my own way.
0: Bro, 100%. And if, I'm, uh, or if my notes are correct, bro, that move paid immediate dividends because pretty much a year after you did move, you already signed a super contract with the Crusaders. So you go down, you're a part of their academy, get hooked up with the, the ITM Cup squad. Um, I, I saw that you also played a little bit of New Zealand 20s in there and even had a run around with the All Black 7s, again, if my notes are correct, bro. So all of that, plus learning how to cook your own meals, do your own washing. Yeah. Did you think that, you know, when you, when you packed your car, you know, I don't know if you had an old school Toyota Corolla or, or whatever, bro, like, yeah, so when you got that all packed and you headed south down to Christchurch, did you think that within 12 months' time, you'd be playing for a side that you've supported your whole life?
1: Nah, no, nah, man. When I packed the old Nissan Toronto up and uh, headed out to Nelson, I definitely had a, a plan and a dream, and as we all do, but I never thought in a million years that it would happen that quickly. I think part of the reason that it did happen so fast is I had a little bit of interest from elsewhere, which probably forced Canterbury and the Crusaders' hand a little bit. Because I didn't want to leave, but at the same time, um, I was never going to, you know, turn down the dream. So that probably fast tracked me a little bit, but at the same sense, um, no, man, when I first moved down, I I thought I'd, you know, 20s was the first goal, and that was two years away. To think that seven months later, after starting my building apprenticeship, that I'd be hanging the hammer up and uh, throwing the steel caps away, and suddenly I was a professional footy player was, uh, yeah, man, it, it was, it was crazy.
0: All right, Can you talk us through the, you know, for, for anybody else out there, not that that is probably ever going to be replicated again, what was your day-in, day-out routine, bro? Like, what got you to the point where you had a Super Rugby contract in front of you seven months after starting a building apprenticeship?
1: I think, um, to put it in perspective a little bit, I, I don't want to talk about where the other interest was from, but they sort of had an eye on me from school footy and from – touch nationals and sevens and then yeah they they sort of six or seven months into my time in Christchurch they came calling and that was when I had to make a decision whether I was going to stay or or if nothing was offered here then then I was going to make the move but I was lucky enough that these guys in Christchurch saw something in me and and offered me the deal so um, offered me the dream really so that's literally how it happened I don't think it was well it wasn't really any of my day-to-day stuff um I feel like I'm pretty organized and I was pretty organized because I had to be when I first started working but yeah I think I was also pretty fortunate in the way that everything happened when I first moved
0: yeah what is it uh preparation plus luck equals opportunity uh so yeah I guess that's what happened for you in the space of seven months being removed from school bro so Anyway, yeah, there's a bit of luck
1: in there. Don't worry
0: about that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> bro, aware we all of that. Of that. Um, but yeah, preseason rolls around and now your teammates with the likes of Dan Carter, Richie McCaw, Kieran Reed. I mean, I, I could probably go, go on and, and name a few more legends, bro, but I'll stop there. Where was the hit at going into that environment? Again, just seven months removed from school pretty much. These are guys that you're used to watching on television and now you're throwing them a pill. How how do you, as a 19-year-old, I think you were, how how do you even like have your head on straight having to
1: deal with all of that? Or yeah, how did you? We talked we talk before about um, guys being ready. Man, I'm happy to put my hand up and say that I wasn't ready. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd played Colts when I first moved to Christchurch, um, so I hadn't even played a game of senior rugby um, when I first linked in with them. Um, it was just, like I said, the way that it all worked with having... An offer from elsewhere they had to take a punt on me and and they did but when I first turned up man I was well out of my depth like you say seeing these guys on tv and yeah it was it was surreal it was uh it's it's what you dream of but when you get put in that situation it's hard to explain because you know you're seeing these guys in the flesh whereas you know a year or two ago I was lining up for autographs and and things and uh yeah suddenly I was introducing myself to guys that were not only legends of the Crusaders, but, man, they were some of the best in the world. So it was, uh, yeah, very intimidating, for sure.
0: Now, you've gone over to play, you've gone and played over 100 games for the franchise you started your career with, the the franchise that you've been supporting your whole life, bro. But you talk about the fact that you weren't ready to begin with. So how did you get through that teething period? How did they support you?
1: Uh, I was very lucky. I had the two halfbacks that were ahead of me were Andy Ellison, and Willie Hines, so um, I was lucky that I had a couple of guys who, you know, knew their trade and were very good at it, and they sort of helped me along the way. And my first year, I think I only played one game in my first year, and it was 90 seconds, um, and it was on the wing. So um, I think not only looking back did I know that I wasn't ready, but I think everyone else did as well, which was a good thing in hindsight. That first year was all about just getting my body ready for super rugby really and yeah they they gave me the opportunity to do that and by the time I actually had a proper crack I think mentally and physically having the support of those guys around me and once I became a little bit more comfortable in their environment I started talking to the older guys and like I said by the time my proper shot came I felt like I was a lot more prepared than that first year.
0: Now, having known you for only probably about half an hour, bro, um, you seem like a pretty switched on guy. But again, reflecting on the start of your career, you're 19 years old, you've just been handed a super rugby contract, you know, there'd be a lot of pressure that comes with that, you know, your mates are probably hitting you up to get Dan Carter's autograph now that he's one of your bros. And like you said, you hadn't even played a game of premier senior footy and now now you're having to tackle with the likes of McCaw, you know all seasoned veterans bro so outside of maybe what the crusaders did for you i mean like what how do you yeah how do you deal with that like when you're going home like did you ever have that imposter syndrome and then like how did you work through that did you have any tools that you, you took from your parents or did you have a rock that you leaned on to be like yep i don't think i'm probably deserving already of this opportunity that I've been given, but I just need to keep turning up.
1: Yeah, I think um, I knew um, deep down, I knew that you know I wasn't ready physically, but I knew that I was going to be, which is probably one thing that got me out of bed every day and drove me. Um, I knew that at the time I was out of my depth and everything was new to me. All my teammates were new to me. I got, you know, life changes as soon as you sign your, your first Super Rugby deal. But deep down, I knew that I was going to be ready and I just had to trust trust myself and then trust everyone around me. Um, and I feel like I did that. And then, like I said, the following year, when I, when I played a bit more, I, I was ready. And um, so I think that the key for me was just trusting myself and knowing that when the time came, that I'd be ready for that.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like I, I only ask because you're not even 21, bro. You haven't even had your 21st. You haven't done your yardie. And now you have all that, all that sort of expectation on yourself. And yeah, I mean, again, it's probably a reflection of um, the way that you were raised and yeah, probably even more so the, um well, not more so, but just the, the Crusaders environment. And you touched on the fact that you had a couple of mentors in the team with the likes of Andy Ellis and Willie Hines. Um because you know we see a lot of young guys coming through super rugby these days pretty much straight out of school if they're not playing you know they're in and around the environment and i've heard of a couple of guys that i know how awesome it was for them to be able to learn off guys and you know, not have that pressure to go out and play but still be able to learn from all of you know their mentors values so that way you know you, the learning sort of fast tracked, if that makes sense so I know that you touched on the fact that you had two guys in front of you that, you know, helped you learn, but, you know, can you, I don't know, can you go even more in depth on that and how they, or how their wisdom that they imparted on you ended up shaping you as the player that you became and you are to this day?
1: Not, there's a, obviously there's a lot of, like, I asked questions, um, I was pretty willing to learn, but I think just watching how guys go about their work as well, like, uh, when you turn up to training, I obviously didn't, Know how things operated when I was young and first couple of years in the team, but just being able to sit back and watch, you know, long term crusaders, um, all blacks, and just watch how they go about their work, how much footage they're watching, how they go about their stuff in the gym, how they look after themselves, um, look after their bodies, how they deliver and, and uh, learn in meetings, and then obviously how they train and, and get ready for you know, for the time that that matters. So um, don't get me wrong, I asked a lot of questions of Andy and and Willie and took a lot of knowledge from them, but also just being able to sit back and watch. Like it was surreal for me seeing these guys in the flesh, but then being able to be in and around it and see guys uh, preparing to perform. um, That was infectious and The scary thing is, like I was considered young back then, but man, you look at Super Rugby these days, and it's just getting younger and younger with, um, with guys getting their first opportunities. So it's it's funny how the game go rolls around in circles.
0: Do you think that's a good thing? I mean, you know, you touched on the fact that you weren't ready, and I'd say that's probably the same for a lot of other guys. And perhaps you know what was different in your case is that you were walking into like a world class team, you know, a team that had a a bar, and that was winning. Whereas with other teams, that's that's probably not the case. I mean, every every team says that they want to win and that their goal is to win the championship, but realistically, they probably don't have the talent or the experience in those types of games. So, looking at you know some of the guys that have probably been been that have probably been chewed up and spat out because they've been thrown in the deep end too early. Um,
1: yeah, I think yeah, there's like, definitely yeah. a a lot of uh, sink or swim. Uh, but I also think that the transition has become a lot easier as well because 1st15 rugby is borderline professional these days anyway. So don't get me wrong, I, I, uh, there's definitely a bit of sink or swim still out there, but I also feel that the way that 1st15 footy is run these days, that, that transition from 1st15 into um, minor 10 or Bunnings or whatever it's called these days and then from there to Super, I feel like that's probably a lot smoother, but there still is a lot of guys who, yeah, are thrown in the deep end.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you're certainly right on, um, yeah, I guess the players coming out of schools these days. I mean, a lot of them look like grown men, you know, some of the guys that I've had to face up against in in club rugby over the years, bro, it's hard to believe that they're 18 and 19, but yeah, yeah, I, I probably wasn't eating enough at school and, That's the difference. (laughs) Um, But yeah, getting back to you, bro. Amongst all the triumphs with the Crusaders, you know, we said the six titles. There have also been some other calls for celebration, um, like you becoming the youngest centurion um, for the side. You also won the 2015 ITM Cup with Canterbury. You've captained them as well. But I'm guessing the cream of the crop would have been your time with the All Blacks. So uh, can you recall where you were when you learnt of that good news? And what was your reaction?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think my time with the All Blacks has been a little bit funny. It's. Um, don't get me wrong. It's. You know, when you're a kid, you dream of being an All Black, and I'm lucky enough to to say that I am now. But yeah, the first time I got a crack, we sort of. I played for the Barbarians and then, went home on the All Blacks bus. <laughs> we played against them and then went home with them and then uh, ten days later we got a crack against the uh, French, like a French 15. And then at the end of 2018, I sort of got that extended squad crack uh, against Japan over there. So, yeah, fortunate enough to have, you know, two jerseys at home. But it's one of those things that when you're a kid, you you dream of becoming an All Black. And um, it still doesn't really feel right that I can sit here and say that I am. But I guess I can die a happy man knowing that um, I've had the opportunity to pull the jersey on a couple of times.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, bro, yeah, nobody can ever take that away from you. And I guess part of the reason why you haven't um, been able to kick on with your All Black career is because you've been having to go up against, you know, two of arguably the best to ever do it, uh, that being Aaron Smith, who's gone on to play over 100 games for the All Blacks, and then TJ Perinata, who's not too far behind. Uh, And I posed the same question to your teammate, Bryn, actually, um, when I had him on the show a a month or two ago. And that is, have you ever thought about how your career would have panned out had you been born a little bit earlier or, or, or come
1: along a little bit later, bro? Um, no, to be honest, I've never thought of it like that. But uh, don't get me wrong, I'm well aware that I'm in a generation where the quality of halfbacks in the country is... Uh, the depth at nine, I feel, in the country at the moment is probably borderline the most in any position. Like you look at the five boys that are involved in uh black jerseys at the moment with uh Brad and TJ playing for the Maltese, and obviously the three boys with the all blacks, like there's some serious, seriously good nines um running around there. And then you look also look past that and you got young guys like um Kort- at the Chiefs and Sammy Nock, like man, there's uh no denying that um, I'm in a generation where the quality of nines is is as good as it's ever been. I feel,
0: mm-hmm. and it, and it's been that way for a while now, bro. Um, but as I touched on, you you became the youngest centurion for the Crusaders, and that only came because of your longevity in New Zealand. And given like how long Aaron Smith and TJ Petanata have been in the All Blacks, uh, I'm guessing that over the over the course of your career, there must have been some lucrative deals, um, offshore, surely would have come across your plate. So. I have to ask why you have chose to stuck around so long when you know we see a lot of guys when you know they 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 sort of get a I guess a feel that they're probably not going to be a a long serving All Black and that perhaps to make the most out of their career they're better off cashing in offshore.
1: To be honest, I've never really looked at anything offshore. It's um, I guess you can look at it in two ways, and I get the financial benefit of going overseas, but Man, I've been fortunate enough to play for a team that I've always wanted to play for and that I grew up supporting with some of my best mates. And to me, that's, you know, can you get much richer than that? Like, you know, Ethan Blackadder lived around the corner from me when we were kids and they were playing for the Crusaders together. Me and Davey grew up together. You know, I was a groomsman at Richie's wedding. It's, uh, I feel like a lot of people it's easy to look at the financial benefit and don't get me wrong. I I get that. But like I said, I've had the opportunity to play for a team that I love for a long time with some of my best mates. And to me, that's the best part of it.
0: (laughs) It's pretty refreshing to hear, bro. And again, yeah, it's not that, uh, I guess either of us are against, um, you know, guys cashing in offshores, you know, because guys come from different backgrounds. They have different stuff going on in their lives, but, um, yeah I guess it is just cool to see guys like you actually stick around, and I guess, yeah, I guess pay the game back in a way. Um, yeah,
1: and and i've um, I'm well aware that what the Crusaders in Canterbury have given me, um and I'm probably one of the old school that, that I just love playing footy here, so why look why look elsewhere at the moment?
0: Mm-hmm. And you've also committed yourself through to twenty twenty four so that's after the World Cup, which is Sort of going against the grain. Most guys only sign their contract to the World Cup and then they see what's going on afterwards. So have you have you paid any mind to, you know, perhaps the day the Crusaders don't want you? Not that, you know, knock mm-hmm. on wood, that never happens, bro. Um, so I guess what went into the thinking of, of signing into 2024? Was it as simple as, you know, just wanting to stick around and play with your best mates and play and arguably the the best club team in the world? Um, and then yeah, beyond that, do you have a preference if you were to go overseas? Do you like to look at Japan? So you're at more buzz?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely um I'm well aware that in two thousand twenty four I think the Crusaders is gonna look a hell of a lot different to what it does now. So that's definitely uh gonna change things in my mind a little bit. But signing long term, I, I life's good. I enjoy living in Christchurch, playing for the teams that I play for. But yeah, definitely by by the time this deal finishes I'll be thirty and it's professional sport so it's got to be a two-way street like it's easy enough to say that you know I want to stay but I'm I've uh, got my head screwed on well enough to know that um, all it takes is for them to say that you've done your dash so thanks but no thanks um but yeah it's just professional sport and whatever happens in 2 years time will happen and i think the great thing about playing rugby is the opportunity to to go overseas and through my career so far, I've been happy in Christchurch, but uh, long-term I think it's uh, something that I definitely look to pursue down the track.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So there's no chance of you actually um, batting away any overseas deals and getting back to your building apprenticeship. I mean, have you <laughs> have you ever thought about finishing that off bro? And, and, and on that point um, of stuff happening off the field, Having scrolled through your Instagram, I see that you're also a business owner, bro. And I'm guessing it's actually the the the, the pub that I'm talking about is the Bush Inn. Yep, the hoodie that you're riffing, bro. So, do you want to talk about that? How that opportunity came to be, and then yeah, maybe a little bit on whether or not you're going to be picking up the tools or unretiring your hammer. Yeah, once once you once you've hung your boots up.
1: No, I, to be honest, I don't think uh, I don't think the building was my was my gig. <laughs> um, had some long days on site. But uh yeah, in the last twelve months it's sort of um I think as you go roll through your career, you get a little bit more aware that it's going to end at some stage. So life after footy becomes a little bit more uh important, I suppose. It's it's time to start looking at things to set myself up for life after footy. And the opportunity came up uh with a, a guy that I grew up with who's my business partner, Sean McNabb. Um grew up with him in Nelson and and he was sort of brought up around pubs and hospitality and um, he was sort of looking for his first for his first baby in a in a way like he wanted his his own little little business and um, the bush inn came up and uh, I was the other half of the equation so uh, yeah it's been great I've loved I've loved being a part of it I haven't been hands-on uh, as much as I'd like to be Uh, moving forward but I've learned how to pour a pint and change a keg and things like that so I'm really enjoying being a part of something uh, other than rugby and um, it's it's definitely something that moving forward could be something that I'm keen to pursue off the field but um, yeah the last 12 months has been really really cool to be involved in something other than rugby.
0: Hissing bro Um, and I can only imagine the boys pestering you to set up a bar tab for them bro but Go on, plug it. We're about to, is it? And yeah, what can anybody who's listening that happens to be in the area um, look to enjoy uh, at, at, your, at, your, at your pub?
1: Mate, we've come on in leaps and bounds in the last 12 months. We're, uh, we're at the top end of Rickett and Road in the Bush Inn, sort of hospitality area down there. We're a good old fashioned blue collar pub. We've got a 18 pokey machines. We've got a TAV on site. It's all there. Come down and get stuck in.
0: well mate when I'm down in Christchurch you've definitely got me sold bro um so yeah wicked wicked career um and, and wicked to see that you're doing things off the field as well bro so I think that that pretty much wraps up everything that I've wanted to cover um from your life on the field and off of it but before I let you go bro I like to end my interviews with two segments uh the first of which is could you please take us through your game day
1: routine um, yes, yeah, so um, I think as I've become a bit more of an a experienced player, my game day's routine's changed a bit. Um, I'm a lot more relaxed now. I remember earlier in my career, I sort of wake up and sort of play the game before lunchtime. Um, but these days, I'm pretty relaxed, man. It's I like to have a bit of a sleep in, keep my breakfast the same, uh, get out for a coffee, have lunch, watch a bit of telly, Try and stay away from rugby as much as I can, and um, and then yeah, when it ro- rolls around time to meet up, it's it's game on. But uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm pretty relaxed. Uh, like I said, I used to have um, all sorts of stuff that I do, but now nowadays it's it's pretty chill. I just roll through whatever feels right.
0: True. So you don't have a consistent playlist, or you know, you don't take uh, your left wrist before your right wrist.
1: No. Nah, the only I I listen to. Have you seen The Greatest Showman? No. Hugh Jackman. No, nah, sweet. Uh, I listen to the hat <laughs> playlist. It's uh, uh, Jack you actually listens to it as well. But um, yeah, it's just something a little bit different, I suppose, that I probably do. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I have to. Um, I'll, I'll note it down and make sure to go give it a listen. Um, not tonight, but um, yeah. tomorrow <laughs> morning, my bro. So yeah, that cracks us on into ten in the bin. So I just got ten quick fire questions for you, my man. And if you can answer with whatever comes to your mind first.
1: Uh, a bit of be uh, prep on these. I, uh, <laughs> I've listened to a few of your podes, so uh, I've done a little bit of prep, so it should be good to go here.
0: Oh, wicker, brother, that's very humbling. Um, number one, childhood idol.
1: Uh, a guy called um, Samoan halfback called Khan Fotuali'i. He um, he played for my club in Nelson Stoke, and he, he always just took the time to say good day. And he obviously played for Tezzi and for Samoa and the, and the Crusaders. So um, yeah, he was my my hero growing up.
0: Yeah, uh, I remember him as well, um, being a fellow half-back bro. He um, I'm surprised he never, I mean, I'm not sure what, I mean, I'm, I was probably too young to, to know where he was at with international rugby, but, you know, I remember when he was playing for the Crusaders, he was arguably one of the best nines in, in, in the country.
1: So the yeah, fact that... there was a time that, um, there where, um, yeah, I think he was, he must have been there or thereabouts for the, the All Blacks.
0: Mm, but yeah, obviously he chose to represent his homeland and I'm pretty sure he played in the World Cup, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made something of it. Uh, champion Lightweight. Who's the worst Mitch on the horse? <laughs> Mitch Hunt.
1: Small body. Uh, yeah, just doesn't handle it um, as well as he could.
0: Oh, well, um, while he might not be able to handle his piss, um, I thoroughly enjoyed my chat with him. So,
1: yeah, he's a good yeah. man. He's a good man. <laughs> Don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah, very great man. Uh, question number three. Must on a day off?
1: I'm a golfer. So, uh, yeah, if the weather's good, I like to get out on course. Now, when you say golfer, um, you're good. Um, I'm competitive. Put it that way. We've got a, <laughs> uh, me, Bryn, Dave, and Will. Are sort of, uh, we go halfbacks versus outsides, and we're all off similar handicaps. So, uh, as you can imagine, it gets pretty competitive on course, and, and we play for a multi every week. So, the prize can be quite, uh, if you pick the right teams, um, can be quite, quite good.
0: True. Alright, so keeping each other honest, um, both in-camp and out-of-camp. I like it. Number four, worst coach's pet?
1: Oh, this wasn't on the um, the one that I listened to. <laughs> uh, let me think about it. I'll come back to that one at the end. Alright, bro. Uh, five, favorite cheat meal? The Mac is simple and effective. Alright, what's the order? Uh, Big Mac combo uh, McChicken and the Chocolate Sunday.
0: Yeah, that'll definitely go down a treat after eighty minutes. and yeah. um, effective. <laughs> cheapest teammate.
1: So who's never? Uh, can you rounds? remember? Can you remember Tom Sanders? Yes. Bruce mm-hmm. Man, he is a shocker. Like <laughs> a shocker. He used to hold his misses accountable for like having an extra juice out of the fridge. Like he is the worst of the worst. <laughs> And now he's cashing in with the yen overseas.
0: Oh, well, I've never heard somebody keeping their missus accountable. It's typically the other way around, but I yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, if uh, it works is, with him. Uh, the best of the best.
0: <laughs> I like it. Um, second dream, question number seven. So if you weren't living yours currently, um, what would be a close second?
1: I reckon a golfer, being a professional golfer. It could get a little bit lonely, but, yeah, I, I quite enjoy being on course, so yeah chasing the pga tour or maybe that new tour that they're all making mm. millions on
0: yeah bro um i mean I, I i won't um act like i know anything about golf but yeah if you're good at it there's definitely a lot of coin to be made yep. um even when you're not winning them bro so yeah maybe i i chose the wrong career well, I, I don't even have i don't even have a sports career bro so yeah maybe i um <laughs> just applied myself in the wrong areas um i'm also back to you my bro uh Question number eight, biggest grub you've played with or against?
1: I've played with him and against him. Uh Quinn Strange. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard that yeah, name before. Uh, you know Quinn Strange, eh? From, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know uh, he was, but yeah, not 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 um not considered a oh, grub.
0: Yeah,
1: I, uh. At training too, worst.
0: True, no no gentlemans. No,
1: nah, no. Nah, he's uh especially if he's like not playing that week. I'm sure you would have heard stories about guys being in the opposition, like the non twenty three. He's <laughs> he's one to ruffle a few feathers at training. Hey, well, um, iron
0: sharpens iron, so... Yeah, oh, yeah not... no,
1: he's good at it anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, question number nine, best piece of advice you've received?
1: Um, I, I used to play a bit of cricket growing up and uh, one of my coaches said to me, um, the cream will always rise to the top. Uh, so I've always looked at that as, uh, if you work hard enough, you'll, uh, you'll get there. Nice. So All one, right. one thing that stuck with me.
0: Primo. Uh I've got question number ten here, bro. But has anybody come to mind for West Coach fit? Um K okay to nah, Pi if not.
1: Tough. Yeah, no, nah, it's tough. It's um the skips obviously sit oh well yeah, the skips obviously sit in the coach's pocket, but that's probably fair enough. Probably Sam, since he's not been skipped, he sort of um sort of just sits back and he still is pretty much the captain. But he sort of just sits back and keeps an eye on things. And, yeah, he uh, still thinks he's the captain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, to be so fair, bro, um, when you play that many games and, and you perform at the level that he does in the biggest games, like we saw in um, the most recent Super Final, bro, maybe there's yeah, something nah, to that.
1: Um, he's pretty successful, isn't he? Yep. Yep. Definitely. All right.
0: Question number 10, um, and having listened to them, I'm I'm hoping that you're going to say the answer that I want, um, but I'm going to leave it up to you, my bro. Saturdays are for...
1: The bushing with the boys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it, bro. I like it. The plug and the right answer. Yeah, yeah. Nah. Not have gone no, down.
1: Like I said, I've listened to a few of these, so it's good to do a little bit of prep.
0: Oh, my man, my man. All right, well, that brings this podcast to a close. Um, I just want to reiterate, Mitchell, um, how grateful I am to uh, be able to chop it up with you. Um, The fact that you made some time for a guy that just slid into your Instagram DMs, um, I guess says a lot about you. So yeah, enjoy the rest of your break. Um, All the best with the Canterbury stuff coming up and you can count on me to flick you a photo of if I'm ever in Christchurch, I'll definitely be digging into some grub at the Bush Inn.
1: Nice, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot.
0: Legend.